She also wears a shirt without a bra. I didn't notice that. Immediate death. I didn't notice that. Yeah. You didn't I mean, note her, notice her, her nips out? No? No, man. I respect people. I look them in the eyes. So that's, <laughs> that's on you. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon. And I finally watched The Siege. Not to be mistaken for Under Siege, which does not star Denzel Washington. When you um when you told me you got like confused and you thought you were watching the wrong movie, which I guess you had already figured out you're just trying to fuck with me. Yeah. There's a movie called The Siege from like 2023 that looks like a very bad B action movie. Um, and I was like, God, man, I hope he didn't make that mistake, especially if you had to pay for it. So this, you know, I don't even know if we mentioned the last episode that we're doing Denzel movies this month. We're um, doing Denzel movies. And this is probably not one people talk about all that much. And uh, I think there's some reason behind that. One, it just didn't do that well. Two, there's a little bit of backlash from the Arab Middle Eastern community saying that this movie portrayed them as terrorists. Well, not three years later, which um, which I think actually is kind of a misread on what the film was doing. Um, and then, yeah, it's just kind of a smaller film. But I remember used to I used to watch this movie all the time when it came on like TNT and USA and whatever. I bought it does a deep- seem like a very you know what? It does seem very like made for TV kind of movie up to a certain point. I think there's like there's this layer and it might just be fucking Denzel. Same same thing he did with the equalizer. Like raising it up a notch, like uh giving it a little bit more uh style and class as Denzel does. Um but there's a there's a very like made for TV movie feel about this. You give me talking shit to Ed Zwick like that. I um I do think that this movie the thing that doesn't age the well that well about it is it's very melodramatic in certain instances. Yeah. Which is yeah. like, yeah, like a law and order episode almost where it's just like a little bit over the top. I mean, that's a lot of nineties movies, early, early nineties, late eighties, you know, all the way through the whole decade kind of movies were like that. Um, but this one definitely like really has that feel to it in certain instances. And there's other instances where I was like, nah, this still holds up great. Like I, it's despite like, the issues people may have with the content of it. It is like a very interesting, extremely well-paced like thriller movie. It, it is. It, there's like, it's almost like two movies in one. Um, there's a, up to a certain point where you're like, and the movie is made to make you feel this way, right? Like they caught the terrorist cell that blew up the bus because they found the bomb. Uh, parts in it um and then there's like this like calm before the storm right this like calm part of the movie before the huge climax um and i think that is what kind of gives it its its edge above like made for tv films is that it's political message where it's like oh we're so close as a nation to just make an entire group of people bad label them as bad right 
and to show that how close America is to that at any at any certain time, I think is a good and interesting message to show. You know, there's some obvious comparisons to this movie, um, or like movies that it made me think of. Zero Dark Thirty because of like the the torture scenes towards yeah. the end. Yeah. The um the kingdom, which is you know, because it's kind of got this thriller aspect to it, where but it's like set in the back backdrop of like you know terrorism and and the issues in the Middle East. But one that I also I just thought of too with this is a little bit um Contagion. In that Contagion oh, came out, I've never few... seen Contagion. Really? Well, yeah. Well, then guess what? Um, when we do Steven Soderbergh month. But Contagion came out, uh, you know, years before the pandemic, and a lot of people considered it very, very prophetic to what happened, you know, during that t- during that time, especially the early days of COVID. This movie came out three years before 9-11, and uh, I guess the screenwriter was quoted as saying that this was kind of a failure at the box office, but then right after 9-11 became like one of the most rented movies in the country. Back when Blockbuster was still a thing. Also, what's kind of weird, too, is that um, it, it is very odd watching a movie and hearing the name Saddam Hussein bef- like pre-2001. Well, I mean, he did exist then, and we had issues. No, I know he him. did. There yes. was a first goal for, I don't know, you're really young and showing your age right now. And I don't even necessarily mean that this like movie predicted like terrorism, because terrorism has been around you know a, a while but i this movie predicted terrorism and I i'm said, the one showing my age i said it didn't who would think that huh? definitely not someone who thought saddam hussein didn't exist pre-2001 just keep digging just keep fucking <laughs> digging but my comparison to contagion is that this movie is serves as a cautionary tale the same way that did to like if we dealt with the pandemic this is like hey we are not so far removed from putting Japanese people in internment camps. And like, if, if we are dealt with a situation like that, you know, how are we going to react if we're, but we did. What do you mean? We did put Japanese people in internment camps back in. I got to tell you, you were not listening to me very well. Like, I know that's yeah, I'm saying we're not that far removed from doing that. And so if we are dealing with the domestic like a terrorist situation on our homeland, we shouldn't be putting certain people in camps again like we did then. Well, what's interesting, too, is that with the whole like Bruce Willis um, part of this movie is that there's a whole section where it's like, Oh, we can't do that because it would be against um uh what what is it the Supreme Court deemed it on there's this thing called the Constitution. Unconstitutional. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> um and and yet they uh they did it. Well it's not unconstitutional in this situation until the Supreme Court tells you it's not, so um yeah, I uh, going into this before and we'll probably start in on the movie in a second. Going into this, I was like, I remember him being kind of the most interesting character, somewhat nuanced in that, like, you know, there's that scene where he's like, don't put me in the city. 
Um, and then watching it now when I'm not 11, 12 years old, watching it yeah. quite a few years later. Yeah. You know, there's that scene later on where he's talking to the dude in glasses who I have no idea who that is. And he's like, is the president finally going to put me in the city? So he realized it was all a fucking show and that oh, he yeah. did want to be put in charge. Right. And so he, he is a little bit like a paint by numbers, just villain. <laughs> you know, there's not a lot of yeah. nuance surrounding him. It's just sort of fabricate. And that's I think that's a big strike against this movie is that. It is a little bit too like I mean it's a little bit TV showish in that it's you know TV shows from the nineties TVs now I hear is pretty good. Well, what it does do good, and then we'll just get get into the beginning of this movie now. But what it does do really well is uh, it it paints the terrorists as bad guys, but then it also paints the <laughs> the white people as bad guys too, um, almost on like equal equal terms where you have the terrorist blowing up a bus and then um, running the van into the FBI building. Um, but then you have the firefight that Denzel gets caught up in is caused by Bruce Willis and the U.S. Army. So you you do have, and then they have that horrible like torture scene later on. So you do have these two sides and then you have Denzel like fighting against both of them. Right. Yeah, no, no, I agree. Um, So it starts with some news showing a terrorist attack and then the Sheik being taken and him being interrogated by Bruce Willis. And then we sort of very quickly translate transition to a I love the transition to the mosque. And then you see that it's in the middle of New York City. Yeah. Um, And then we are at this bus hostage situation. We think it's being really bad. And then it explodes with blue paint, which I think does a good job of setting up later on and making the actual bus explosion that much more shocking. There's a lot that makes that bus explosion shocking. <laughs> um, like but yeah, pe- no, the old people scooting off of there and <laughs> not getting far enough away. <laughs> yeah. Or um, or uh, Denzel's bloody eye, bloody nose just being blown back, you know, all that that whole thing. But um yeah, the blue paint was interesting. Uh, it reminds me of those like blue paint packs that they uh, put in bank uh, mm-hmm. bank bags when they get robbed. Um, but yeah, they so so yeah. So as you were saying, they get onto the scene and then it explodes, but it's just blue paint. Yeah. So they then go to look at the bus and they're like, you know, is this even a crime? Has any crime been committed? I'm sure there's a crime, maybe not a federal crime, but there's definitely a crime was committed here. Um, yeah. When, when, when Tony, uh, Sh- well, how do you pronounce his Shaloub. name? Shaloub. Yeah. Tony. Oh, Shaloub. Okay. I did it right. Um, when Tony Shaloub is like, is there a crime? Was a crime committed? I was just like, yeah, it's <laughs> just because no one died. I think what he means is like, is there, is this even worth our time? Right. And then they find, you know, the note that says release him. And then they see someone snooping around the bus and it's Annette Benning, who, by the way, in the paint by numbers department of this movie, her name is Elise Craft, her fake name, like yeah. trade crafts. And I'm just like, all right, guys. <laughs> or yeah. Denzel, maybe you should have picked up on that a little bit. Um, and then he has her escorted out and he's like, all right, pin a tail on her. And. This then this movie has no fat, which is part of like the pacing I was talking about. But they then 
find a guy who they catch with what two hundred dollars under ten k. So that's how he got sort of pinned. They they find like he's got oh just under the the threshold or whatever. And it's Asif Manvi who was a oh, Daily real- Show correspondent. And I was like, oh, that's cool to like see him in this. Oh. Oh shit! It is awesome. Oh my god! Yeah. Wow. I didn't recognize him while I was watching it, but now that you say it, I see it. Um, I I love the move where he's twenty bucks under the limit, and then they just throw in a twenty. He's like, not anymore. <laughs> not yeah. anymore. Shalub plays uh, fast and loose with the rules here. Um, <laughs> and then the rules play fast and loose with uh, Shalub. So, um, there is a moment in the movie where I thought it was going to be a like a double cross, almost like a triple cross. Um, and I was thinking the entire time it's going to be Annette Benning because when you pause the movie on Prime, it says Elise Craft slash Sharon, what, whatever her face is. Yeah. And I was like, oh, why does she have two names in the credits? I was like, OK, that's suspicious. And I was like, but it's too obvious for Annette Bening at this point in the movie where I'm watching it. I'm like, it's too obvious for Annette Bening to be a double agent. And boy, was I wrong. But I kept thinking fucking Mark Valley, who plays uh, FBI agent Mike. I kept thinking he was going to be the double crosser or uh, Tony Shalhoub was going to double cross Denzel. It was none of them. It was Lance Reddick. No, I never, I never suspected Lance Reddick for a second. So they then try and tail Asif Manvi, who's playing Khalil, and Mike, your boy Mike Johansson, uh, sort of is the most obvious FBI agent, and he's just staring at him as he's walking down. Dude, I laughed so hard because they had um, the the Tina FBI agent. She's an Asian woman, and they had another like white woman there, but like kind of older. And then um, they just none of them like look suspect. And then you have this fucking white guy just walking through like, what is that? Little, little Iran of New York. Uh, it was just uh, Brooklyn, I think, because they said <laughs> that they said they all lived in Brooklyn. That's why they shut down Brooklyn later on. Um, yeah, I know. He's the most obvious guy. And then there's a chase. He gets over the fence. And the CIA grabs him, and I love Tony Shalhoub's like, man, you got to love that move, where they just push him into the truck, like use his yeah. own momentum of him running to get him in there. Um, and then they immediately find Elise and the house she has taken this guy to, and they're like, you know, the CIA can't work in the U.S., so they... I was confused about that, because I'm like, they're just, what, putting, uh, arresting CIA agents? Well, they sort of explain this. She's like, I can get out if I want to. And the, he's like, I thought you could get out if you want to. She's like, oh, I haven't made the call. But I think she like, I think she could get out. But for storytelling purposes, they're like, well, we want her working with him. So she's like, you know, I'm just going to stay. Because isn't this. I can't remember. Oh, yes. Right. Yeah. She gets picked up. They're going to take her back to the station. But instead, there's another bus. So they take her. And she immediately is like, oh, this situation's fucked. Like, they're about oh, yeah. to, they're going to blow this. And because they get, of the cameras. Yep. And they get the six kids off the bus. And she's like, they haven't asked for anything, have they? And, you know, she's about to get put back in the car. And he realized, like, oh, she knows what she's talking about. And she's like, fucking shoot them now. Like, this is your only chance is to shoot them right now. And they don't. And, you know, he's talking to them over the phone, like, hey, 
and then the old people get put off and it fucking explodes. It's crazy. That explosion is so good. Like the the reverb to break the glasses in the surrounding buildings and to blow back Denzel as far as they did, showing him with like the broken capillaries in the eyes and then his nose bleeds later on. Um, also shocking, just like overall shocking. Absolutely. And then after this, we get Denzel has several really fucking good speeches in this, like little tiny monologues to give. And the one where he's like, we will not sleep where, you know, every lead, this and that, as he just starts bleeding out of his nose and he doesn't even notice it. Uh, yeah. It's great. Like, you can definitely tell, like, why he took this part, because there's some good stuff in here for him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I. It's also like Annette Benning is no no laughing matter either. And then you have Bruce Willis, who's who used to be quite a powerhouse and. uh yeah, it's funny because we said made for TV movie, but it has all these like really great stars in it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's just the over melodramatic nature of it. That's why that it feels that way a little bit to me, like perfectly usually, on the USA lineup. Yeah, but usually when you have really good actors, you know, you don't really have them acting melodramatic. But I guess maybe it's more writing and the other actors. No. No, yeah, I, I I can see that. So they find a print on the bus bomber. He's on the terror watch list. They then uh, find some Egyptian cotton. And so he goes to talk to Elise. And this is when she's like, you know, I, I could get out, but I'm not going to. And this leads to Samir. Don't ask how it leads to Samir. I'm sure it was explained in the movie, but it didn't. Okay, really cool. I'm glad we're both lost on this. So they find that he sponsored. Oh, because the guy that got in on the terror that was on the terror watch list was sponsored by Samir. He sponsored the visa. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they they like pull him out of a restaurant thing. Yeah. Well, and Elise is like the acting on Annette Bening in the scene is pretty good because I don't know if you realize it on first watch, but on second watch, when you know, she's like sort of this is her guy and she's also she's sleeping with him. Yeah. Yeah. Her acting is very like. I don't know. Maybe you should just let him go. <laughs> She's like trying to be so nonchalant about it. And then Denzel's like, because he's your guy. Doesn't um, he say something about Tony Shalhoub's mom? Or... No, he says um, he says something along the lines of, oh, you, you know, you weren't a fighter because you're a woman. And then he fucking elbows him in the face. And he basically calls him a pussy. Yeah. And I love later when Denzel brings him over. He's like, if you ever hit a prisoner again, I'll take your badge right then. And Shalhoub's line of like, one day I'll tell you what he did to my village. And then Denzel's like, I get it. Just don't let it happen again. And he's like, no, pretend I'm funny and laugh at something I said. Uh, yeah, all that shit is good. And um, they then, I guess, decide to let Samir go because she finally like admits that he's her asset. And they come to this sort of agreement where she like how they're going to share him. Um, and then, and then I love Denzel's line of like, let him fly, but I want some food on my plate. Like I need something if this is going to happen. What did you think about making him ultimately the villain? Samir? Yeah. Um, I don't have that. Did you see it coming? Fake out. I, I didn't see it coming, but not because it's clever. What do you mean? I just didn't think it was very like clever in a in a writing in a in a way of writing plot um, to make him the bad guy. Well, I think when you take that 
and then you take the Tariq situation where they tortured him and then killed him. It's the point the movie's trying to make is that these people that we have put in power to protect us a lot of times don't know what the fuck they're doing. Right? Like, she had Samir in her grasp. And she's like, at the end of the movie, she's like, did we fucking fund your terrorism? Because she was just giving him money, right? And she yeah. was helping get all these... She was helping get all these people in the country, right? And then Tariq, who got named by Samir, probably had nothing to do with this. And she's like, you know, she comes right. out and she's like, he didn't know anything. So I think that's the point of it, right? Um, I don't know. Every t- I mean, I didn't see it coming. And then when the first time I saw that, and then the reveal, I think, is so great. So I don't know. I, I mean, you thought it was fucking Mark Valley. And you, Lance Reddick. So, you I mean, yeah, obviously. I did not think you. it was Lance Reddick. <laughs> I did not think it was Lance Reddick. I never think it's Lance Reddick. But with Mark Valley, I thought because, um, well, up until he died, right? But um, such a like, they don't even, you don't, I mean, not that you can show it, but just like after the fact, they're like, our entire team just died. <laughs> it's like, they're just all gone. <laughs> like, imagine uh, the fugitive. Where like at the end it's just Joe Pantoliano and Tommy Lee Jones and like <laughs> the entire team just died. You're like, what? <laughs> You're like, it's funny because when anymore. it's funny because when that happened, Taylor was like half watching it and she goes, "Did Monk die?" And I'm like, "No, no, no. Monk's like the only one that lived." Yeah, he got. I mean, he's definitely he's he's big time. He's not he's not going anywhere. I mean, he's probably what the fourth lead of this movie, right? Oh yeah, um, easily the third actually. Who's so, the who's your top four? Denzel, Annette, Bruce. I, I don't even count Bruce as over Tony because he's not even in it as much. I mean, in is in credit order he's third. Well, okay. They can do whatever they want. He was a big deal in nineteen ninety eight. Well, speaking of the fugitive, isn't um uh not Jodie Foster, who who's um Julianne Moore? Julianne Moore. Isn't she like second or third? And she doesn't deserve that in The Fugitive. Well, that was because she was supposed to have a bigger role and it was in her contract and then they cut all of it out. So that was just a a machination of Hollywood. So Denzel then follows Samir and Elise. Just watches them fuck. You know what's funny? He's like, oh, we need them. (laughs) The the nonchalant way you said that. What's funny is he's like, there's this through line joke where he's like, yeah, we need microwave. And then later on when he sees the army truck, he's like, microwave. But it's like they're watching like a heat signature of these two fucking. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe they lost it. Um, And oh, yeah. She also smokes weed like this. You know, Does that turn you on. Definitely deserved her fate at the end because she's a druggie. Oh, well, I just, it, it felt like so horror movie ish. Like in like, oh, she's the one she sleeps around. And she does drugs, and so she dies at the end. You know what I mean? That's also like the the TV she show also nature. Wears a shirt without a bra. I didn't notice that. Immediate death. I didn't notice that. Yeah. You didn't I mean, note her, notice her her nips out? No. No, man. I respect people. I look them in the eyes. So that's <laughs> that's on you. Um, we next get Bruce Willis's first. He's appeared like here and there, but we get his first kind of real scene. And he's talking with uh, Denzel. And what you get out of the scene is that Bruce Willis thinks he's the smartest person in the room. Yep. He knows everything. The president doesn't know shit about the Middle East, which is funny because this is Clinton he's talking about. Clinton right, is shown yeah. in the beginning of the movie. He's it's, like, not, it's not just because in 1998 and it's Clinton. Like you were, I think you were about to say it. Clinton is in this movie. 
Yeah, yeah. He's got a little part where he's talking about terrorism. And then uh, Elise, uh, he mentions Elise and like, oh, you know, pardon my whatever, but women don't know anything about the Middle East. It's like, who does? All right, who knows? And then she comes like in. when she walks in, yeah. She walks in and she's like afraid of him, it seems like, or she's like, oh, fuck, this is not good. And it does seem like Annette Benning is playing this in sort of like, you know, Elise slash Sharon has right. these like opposing ideals of like protecting America, but also we shouldn't be torturing people. We fucked these people over. Um, you know, you find all that out in the end. Denzel doesn't realize that Elisa Sharon until the like the Supreme Court meeting, right? Um, Correct. It's not the a Supreme reason, Court. It's just like a bunch well, of the, senators and shit. I don't know what that one guy does, though. It reminds me of that um, Dr. Strangelove scene, the whole movie. Um, yeah. But anyway, so when before then she's keeping it hush hush that she's Sharon, right? So I didn't take it that when she walked into Bruce's office or with Bruce uh, there that she was scared of him. I thought she was scared that her cover's been blown because of him. Uh, Maybe she just looked very taken aback. And I guess you don't, maybe that's revealed later. You realize, oh, that's why she was. But in the moment, it looks like she's frightened of him. Okay. So they then have this landlord lead and they talk to the landlord and he's like, these guys are just there all the time and they just want pizza. It's all they want. It's all they want. Um, Dude, there we go. Inside man reference. Yeah. And then our boy David Proval is the pizza delivery guy. At first I was like, is he Italian? But he is Romanian Jewish. Yeah. What movie have we done of his? Oh, uh, uh, I don't know. And I know we've done a movie with him, but I always feel like he's the guy you hire if you can't get Al Pacino. Uh, yeah, I don't think Al Pacino would play this part. Four Rooms is what we did. Oh, shit. It, he is from Four Rooms. He's the guy who um, who has... Um, the crazy wife with like the role playing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tied up. What's his face tied up in there? Yeah. So they break in. They kill... That these- could have been played by Al Pacino. I think he probably was doing bigger things at the time. <laughs> so they break in, kill these three terrorist guys. They find all the parts that were used for the bombing of the bus. And they're like, this is over. We've got it. And you're like, we're now we're into this movie. What else are they going to do in this movie? <laughs> and there's some interesting scenes after this where they like go out and they're, you know, messing around. Shalhoub's kind of drunk and he just like starts talking shit to Sharon a little bit. And she just kisses him on the mouth. And I was like, Denzel even says something to him about his wife after that. um, And it's funny, he goes to dance with her and then it just turns into a slow dance music. Um, Then the uh, the opera house gets attacked. Yeah, yeah, the play. And I mean, they they get all the way over there. There's some like ADR of Shalhoub explaining to the audience what happened without showing his face. Yeah. And then they get there and you see this very beautiful woman walking down in a daze and you're like, What's going to happen if she turns is like half her face going to be missing? That's what I thought. I thought it was going to be like two face or like half her body's gone. But then it was her arm missing, which is like it is very shocking. But it's also I don't know. It's maybe a little too much. Like it's this is the melodramatic. Exactly. We've been talking about. Yeah. And the next day they have a meeting at the playhouse, which almost feels like out of place. Like, why are they? It, it almost feels like this scene was maybe going to be used for like after the FBI building was blown up and they had nowhere else to go. But then they just decide to have this meeting at a playhouse. 
someone from like the Arab League is there, reporters, different police people, whatever. I guess reporters weren't there, but just like a whole swath of people. And Denzel starts giving this speech about his speech is weird because he's like, oh, they deal with bombings in other countries all the time and they're fine. Like we will overcome. But you just hear like pagers going off, phones ringing, you know, not text because this is 1998, but just shit keeps happening as he's trying to give this speech and it's distracting him. And then they're just like, fuck, they have a school. And this scene is as melodramatic as it gets. But I fucking love it. Yeah, it's when awesome. Denzel is sitting there, he sees the planes coming in. He's looking around like basically the movie goes into slow-mo and he throws a chair out of the way, runs in, does a fucking flip and just kills the guy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's 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 awesome because it has all of the pretense of what happened earlier about. Well, except for the fact that they did like give up the children. Have you, did you ever wonder why they did that? Why they're like, okay, we're going to release the children, but then later we're going to take a school full of children? Uh, I mean, different cells with different sets of morals, maybe, you know? Uh-huh. Like one of them's just one of the guys like, I don't know, I'm not killing kids. You know I mean? Hashtag, not all terrorists are the same. Um, the, the other thing, too, is I think it's also really cool that you see the, helico- the news media helicopters coming in and then... Denzel looks at Elise. Elise looks at Denzel, and it's just like unspoken, like, "Oh fuck." Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's cool. It's kind of stupid, but it's cool. So then we next get this like meeting of very powerful senators. There's this dude with glasses, and his name in here is Kaplan, comma INS. So he's with INS. Um, there's like the one. Basically, it's just everyone around, like making fucking jokes and you're like what are we doing here guys like and the one guy's like you know i don't want to lose my house race and the ins guy's like would you shut the fuck up <laughs> like <laughs> and there is a really great scene or you know some lines from willis where he's like you don't want the army in an american city he's like we will hunt find, and kill the enemy but i beg you he's like no one is more set against this than me and then that guy's like well, then that means you're the perfect person for the job. But you like you find out in a scene later that him and Willis are kind of in cahoots. Yeah. Yeah. There's also like another line line reading that's uh, someone says. Someone says something along the lines of like. Oh, yeah. Well, no, he's Bruce Willis says we can't do that. Right. And then someone else goes. Well, say if we do. Just say we're going to do it. Yeah, just, just... How would we do it? How would we do it? Well, because he says the president hasn't authorized that, and he's like, let's say the president does. How long would it take you? Um, And as Denzel then speaks and is like, you know, we have this under control, you see this van bomb being sort of set up and then deployed in the city. You see Shalhoub walking out of a building, and then the van just drives straight into it. Um, And it's one federal plaza... And like they show Shalhoub getting out, but it's like everyone else dies that he knows, except Lance Lance Reddick made it also. Um, Lance Lance Reddick doesn't work in the building. He's just he's out doing shit. Yeah. And then they're like, all right, two hundred dead so far. And then later on, oh, there's this fucking army guy that comes up. He's like, all right, not to be insensitive, but what's your infrastructure? You know, what can you accomplish? Oh, the dick. And he's like, you're standing on our infrastructure. Um. 
just yeah. <laughs> they then just have to move into like a hotel room um and then you find out that there are 600 dead and this is like a pretty interesting scene where um elise shows up and she's sort of walking on eggshells because at the time he finds out that she's been lying to him about her name apparently elise tradecraft was not <laughs> her real name but mm-hmm. as he finds that out 600 of his colleagues and friends die so he's like really upset about that and also she lied to him at the same time um and then she's like why was there no warning from samir and she's like he's one of the good guys and then <laughs> and then she says i'm not fucking with you and he said how could you remember who you're fucking yeah it's pretty good it is you could not i mean there's definitely like a lot of like slut shamey stuff with her and like her character sleeps around a lot to get what she wants and i don't think you could exactly play that movie play her in that role now i think you could i would if you were playing the Annette Benning character, you would sleep with the terrorist to get the job done. I would play with that character. Samir. Um, so next Willis has the scene with the INS guy and he's like, is the president finally prepared to do what is necessary? And this is maybe a scene that just went over my head or I forgot about it, but yeah, it's firmly establishes that he's just been playing the game that he thinks this is the best option. You know, it's not even that he's like evil and just wants to have a coup of America. He thinks this is what he needs to do to make New York safe, America safe. But it's ridiculous because later on when he's listening into Denzel about like where these guys are located and it's that mechanic shop, right? It It's so you say that he doesn't play it as like evil, but he is because he no, knows. I said he, I, I said he was, man, you're not. You're not listening to me. Tonight. Stop! Stop mumbling! Stop mumbling tonight. Um, oh, gotcha. If <laughs> no, but it, it is pure evil because he goes into that. They attack the the mechanic um, shop, and they know Denzel's in there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Lance Reddick. They attack it with missiles. <laughs> just fucking yeah. blowing missiles up. I mean, the one guy does throw a grenade, and then they're just like, "Fuck it, shoot." Uh, which is also like. They don't even care if they kill this Tariq guy. They're just like, fuck it. Let's just shoot everywhere. Um, So when Willis takes over, he gives this speech to the news media. And it's supposed to be this rah-rah speech. We'll find these people. We'll catch them. We'll kill them. But the speech is so scary, right? As a like, like as a person who's like, I don't know if we want all this. You know, this is not yeah. the way. And he's just like, we're about to fuck. He's like, we're about to fuck shit up in this city. And we're going to find these people. He's like, what gives them like a deadline of like a day to turn yourself in or we're going to take you. And then they yeah. just end up doing it. They go door to door. And of course, there's the reaction to the people in the movie is the same reaction real people would have in real life if this happened. Um, completely utter and uh, well, not just complete chaos, but also huge amounts of um, protest. Do you think Chris Nolan's a big fan of this movie? Dark Knight Rises. Because there's that the cr- one protest scene. Well, no, he takes Bane takes over the city and basically like, institutes martial laws. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's Bane. Yeah, Bruce Willis is kind of Bane in this. Okay. I There's there's a good scene right after that where he's talking with Denzel and he says, are you questioning my patriotism? He's like, no, I'm questioning your judgment. And he's like, don't ever talk to me like that in front of my men. And he's like, I'm not under your command. And Bruce Willis says, take a look around and tell me if that's true. 
uh, is pretty great. And then they go Damn. to Samir, and she basically plays bad cop, slaps around to kind of get what she wants. But, but she she isn't, right? She's getting a fake name, and this is when they go to find Tariq and you know the explosion and all that. So she's triple-crossing now, right? I don't know. Who is she? What do you mean? Okay, because she slaps him around, Samir around, gets a name, then Denzel goes, but then she goes back to Samir, and then triple-crosses him back to the bathhouse. Because she's like, we got to wait here in this apartment. Wait till things blow over. Then we got to get dressed in these robes, go to the bathhouse and meet up with the uh, the other cell leader. And then he's the other cell leader. But for a second, doesn't Samir think that. She's turned against the U.S. Or is it Samir the entire time who has the ruse on him? The ruse on him? The he's being the ruse. He's the ruser? Yeah, he's the he's, ruser. He's rusing everybody? No, I mean yeah. Samir's the one who is who's tricking everyone, playing playing the tricks he's on. But people. can you explain to me why Elise wanted to like wait in that apartment for like five minutes and then go back out and circle around to the bathhouse? But because Denzel comes up and they miss him, but aren't they not supposed to miss him? It's because she has this undying trust in Samir. And so I think she's taking, I mean, it is a little bit like, all right, what's the writing here? Because it makes it seem like they were supposed to wait in the apartment. But the movie also makes it seem like they're trying to escape the army and that Denzel was helping them. But then Denzel and Tony look at the camera and they're like, fuck, they've, they left. And they're like, all right, well, we know they're going to the bathhouse. So I don't know. It's weird writing. That's, and what, that's, that's it, what I'm talking just, about. It's like a little bit weird. I don't think it matters, but I mean, they knew where they were going because they just ran straight there. But I think they yeah, went a little bit ahead. I don't know. It's, I do have to say it was cool when when Sharon, Elise, whatever you want to call her, was like, he's getting down. He's putting the Egyptian cotton on him. He's getting down with the with the um, water, the bath water. And then she's like, oh, shit, we're not waiting for anyone else, are we? And he's like, so what do you have to tell me? Yeah. So back to where we actually are, though. Denzel goes after that scene where he's almost killed. He goes to the stadium to see all the cages. Um, and that's a pretty like stark, shocking scene. Remind me of Children of Men. Um, yeah, I could see that. And Tony Shalhoub is there and his 13 year old kid was taken. And he's like, I'll help you find him. And he goes, I f- I'll find him. I quit. And then he uses a very incendiary term, basically saying, I'm not your, your, you know, your token anymore. And he says, uh, sand. And then a uh, racial term that's normally used for black people. But when combined with that other word, I just imagine, though, <laughs> like not the timing of this, but that afterwards, Denzel's like, listen, I know you're upset but you still can't use that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Tony Shalhoub just um, um, Im- improvising his lines there. So after this, he goes to Willis and he's like, you need to fucking let him out right now. He's really irate. And then the one guy's like, you better calm down or I might start to think you're Ethiopian. And he's like, you're dumb enough to think that's an insult. It's a fucking great line. That's a great line. And then 
it's the Tariq scene. They go in the bathroom. He's naked. Elise is standing there, and she almost looks like embarrassed, like, ah, oh, fuck, like you caught me here. And um, he's like, what are you guys doing? As they're openly discussing the best way to torture this guy to get information out of him. And they're like, we can't do that. We can't shock him. We could use water or we could cut him. And I'm pretty sure that's what they went with because Bruce Willis comes out with blood all over his hands, although they also shot him. So maybe there's a lot of splatter. Um, but he kind of gives this Denzel is given this speech where he's like, you guys can't do this. You know, if we do this, the terrorists win like this is maybe this is what they want. And they're just like, just get the fuck yeah, it's out. It's a great speech. It's a great speech. Also, um, I didn't know we uh, kill terrorists just willy nilly like that. Well, this is a movie, so yeah. I don't know why they killed him is interesting, and maybe because they just fucked him up so much. But you know, Denzel also points out to her, he's like, in that briefing that we were all in, you said that he won't know anything about the other cells. So what are you doing? Like, is you, yeah. are, do you like what are you talking about? And immediately she comes out and she's like, he didn't know anything. And then we hear the gunshot, and then Bruce Willis comes out and he's just like, doesn't give a shit. Um. Yeah, it's, that's a just a fucking crazy scene. Like, there's a lot of like crazy kind of hard to watch shit in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then we go to Samir. Well, we go. We meet the INS guy again. Denzel goes to him, and I guess the INS guy is like, "Fuck, what did I unleash?" And he's like, "You know, we have to stop Willis." And then he tells him that Willis has the sheik and there's you know the ins guy and sharon have talked and they're like well if we say we're going to release the sheik maybe we can draw out the last cell um and then sharon kind of gives her backstory about how they were on the same side of the sheik and then they stopped giving him money and his people were slaughtered um and then they get frank back in to help with this final little con um because they need him to get the army off their back so they can get samir to meet these people um, and then now we are at the end. Elise dies, dude. She does. She does. Which which is weird because there was a point in the movie where I was like, oh, the, this this woman is going to die. She's not going to make it to the end of this movie. And then um, they did not make me feel that way. Only just to actually kill her. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot, the, a lot of buildup to it, too, that's kind of interesting. So they start, you know, they start going out where, like, Samir is walking with her. And then they're like, all right, but we need to follow Frank. And there's this overhead shot where the car sort of slows down and a dude jumps out of the front seat. The army catches him and then it's not Denzel. Yeah. And then yeah. we go back into the car and Denzel pops up in the same front seat. And I was like, where did that guy come from? <laughs> He's been he was sitting on Denzel. I guess. Um, and then they follow them to the apartment and Samir and Elise are watching TV and he's like, Wow, Arab, Jew, white, black, all together. It's crazy. And she's like, Wait, what? Are they gonna are they gonna blow up the parade? He's like, I mean, doesn't that look like an amazing target? And it's kind of like an inkling of like, all right, what's up with this guy? You think you th- you kind of wonder why she didn't think that in this for this you know for the second that that happened. Um, so what was his plan? Like leaving the bathhouse, kill Elise, and then just go blow up the march? 
Yeah, walk into the march and, and yeah, detonate. Oh, that's right, because he he pulled out the uh, the mm-hmm. bomber vest. That's not what you call them, but he pulled out the vest full of explosives uh, and he put them on. I thought here's what I thought. So this this is the way I thought the ending was gonna go. Whether Elise died or not, I don't know. But I knew Denzel was gonna come in. Denzel was gonna shoot him, right? I thought he was gonna shoot him. And as he falls back into the bathtub, it explodes. Um, and then they were going to pull like some sort of equalizer thing where he's not like not looking back. Just Denzel walks away from the bathhouse exploding or Samir. We think he's dead, but he's not really dead. And he rises out from the bathwater only to be shot like 42 times by both Tony and Denzel. 42 they shoot him they reload they keep shooting yeah um so yeah i mean that you think is the end and then denzel goes to bruce willis and we have to have one final last showdown with them and he's like i have a judge with the writ to release all these people and he's like i'm in charge the judge isn't in charge he's like no it's over he's like you're under arrest and the fbi comes in and then Willis tells all of his guys to pull out their guns and it's like yeah I don't know how he thought this was going to go down you're just going to I mean you're going to kill all these people like what and then you're going to what round up all the news people who are going to report on this like what what do you think's going to kill them too and then <laughs> kill I think, I think Clinton event, you know what's a kind of a cynical look at this is he tells his men to stand down because he realizes I'm not fucking going to jail for this. Like, I'll be fine. I, you might, I might lose some rank, but I'm going to be fine. Yeah, it, it's interesting, too, because uh, he's like, you think I'll hesitate? I'm not going to hesitate. And then I was like, I don't think you'll hesitate. Give him the order, they General. Might. Give him the they order. <laughs> Make more murders out of them. So good. It's yeah. so good. Well, he also has this, you have the right to remain silent. You have the right to not be tortured, not killed, unlike Tariq. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's a very powerful ending to a movie that in retrospect, I mean, it held up pretty well for me. There were some stuff where you're like, it's a product of its time, this movie, but I mean, overall, it's like such a, like a very tight, well-paced thriller that, um, no, I think it's still, still pretty great. When, when did Man on Fire come out? After like, or before this? Yeah, like seven or eight years after. Six wow. or seven. So Denzel is almost 70 years old. And he was 45 when he was doing this movie. So that means he was in his 50s when he's done Man on Fire. I think like late 40s, 50-year-old Denzel is like peak Denzel. I don't know what that means. In looks. Oh, like you want to fuck him? Yeah. You know, this is something that's not going to mean much to you, but I noticed it. So when they crash, when Tony Shalhoub crashes that car into the army truck and they pull guns on those guys and then he's like, oh, microwave. The younger guy in the back is Chris Messina, who's an actor you might know by name, but you'll know when you see him. Um, And I was just like, oh, shit. Like, I first noticed him in A Way We Go. And then like to see that he had been acting for so long, but it was cool just to see him. Um, Jodie Foster turned down the Annette Benning role, which is kind of my one it, and only fun fact. It's, it seems like a Jodie Foster role. 
It does. I often get this movie mixed up with another one we're going to do, uh, Peacemaker, which is like George Clooney, Nicole Kidman, and there's like an Eastern European, like plutonium goes missing storyline. Um, that's like a good one, too, that I don't know. I don't think it's similar to The Siege. It's like it's a movie that maybe only I remember, but I like really like it. And I think this movie, you know, obviously Denzel being in this movie is like one of the reasons it holds up because he's just fucking great with everything he does. Oh, yeah. One hundred percent. I think as the kids would say, this movie to me is kind of mid. Mid means bad. No, mid is like mid. No, no. Mid means bad. Really? Yeah, it doesn't mean like mediocre. Mid, it's like ah, mid. That's mid. Ugh. Oh, oh. I I meant mediocre. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David, and this is Alon, and I finally watched The Siege. <laughs>